Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 6th, 2023, we conclude our series titled Spiritual Disciplines, Training for Godliness. Today's sermon, Fellowship and Community, will be taught to us by Pastor Kevin Ewell out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through chapter 2, verse 4. Enjoy. So as we get ready to go into this whole idea of the, the discipline of fellowship, let me set it up for you this way. It is one of the examples that has stuck with me for a really long time. I've got, I've got six kids, but there was a period of time where Brooke and I had uh, four kids under the age of eight. So they were all little, and they would wake up early. I mean, it was them and God, and everyone else was still asleep. But they would wake up, Dad. Dad, we're awake. All right, so we'd go downstairs put on some TV, and there's only so much Door the Explorer and Blue's Clues a dad can take before you want to shove a remote in your ear. So I learned early on, hey, I could get my kids into animal shows. And so we watched us a lot of Animal Planet. And on one particular morning, my son was probably four or five, just a little guy, and we're watching this Animal Planet show, and it's all about bugs. And the whole first half of the, the show is all about this scorpion. And it's showing the different scorpions around the world. I mean, and this thing is just rolling through the Amazon and the desert, and it's got the giant claws, and it's picking up bugs and ripping them apart, and indestructible, stinging things with its tail, chasing off birds. I mean, it, it is awesome. And just before it goes to a commercial break, the guy with the English accent comes on and says something to the effect of, but even the greatest armor is, has its match. And then it cuts to a line of ants. Commercial comes on, I mute it. We're just sitting there in silence for a little bit, and all of a sudden, my little five-year-old looks at me and goes, hey, Dad, if you could be any bug in the world, what would you be? I go, I don't know, buddy, what would you pick? I'd be a scorpion. Oh, really, that's a good pick. You know, I think I'd be an ant. And this five-year-old little punk starts talking so much trash to me. Dad, if you were an ant, I would pick you up with my claw, and I wouldn't even pull you apart all the way. I would just stretch you out till you're almost ready to come apart, and then I'd cut off one of your legs and watch you run in circles. I mean, he's just, and Scorpion would smoke an ant, Dad. Okay, all right. Show comes back on. Sure enough, here comes the scorpion up to the ants, and his eyes are like, watch this. Let's watch. As the scorpion approaches far bigger than any single ant, but an ant was never alone, all of a sudden, 10 or 12 of the ants just begin to do a figure eight pattern in front of the scorpion to where it can't get a bead on any one thing, and it's just back and forth. And then out from the hill come a bunch of other ants that end up climbing up onto the scorpion's back and grabbing one of the pinchers that, are, that would kill any one of them in a second, and they grab it, and they just begin to stretch it out and they do the same thing on the other side. And then the tail that is trying to get the ants that it can't make a bead on, all of a sudden ants begin to grab the back of that tail and just stretch it out. So all of a sudden this scorpion is flayed out like this. And then the cameraman, I don't know how he did it, but it was incredible. These ants climb up on the scorpion and all of a sudden off comes an arm. Off comes another arm. Next thing you know, they, they chew off the tail and piece by piece, this scorpion makes its way down into the anthill to feed the entire colony. And I just sit there. And all of a sudden, my son looks up to me and goes, you know, Dad, I think I want to be an ant like you. I'm like, absolutely you do. 
Oh, I'll tell you that story. To, to me, again, and, and ants do this in a hundred different ways. But they are really a beautiful picture of what Christian fellowship should look like. Because they're united around one common cause, and that is that we will do anything we can for the sake of the rest. To put our interests aside and do what's best for the interests of the group as a whole. I mean, that's how they operate. And so when we talk about this idea of a discipline of fellowship, that's really what it is. That we would say collectively, as sons and daughters of God, that my purpose, part of my my purpose that I'm going to stack hands in the middle around is, I am here to not only meet my own interests, but to really meet the interests of others. To be a part of something bigger than myself. To lay aside maybe even some of the things that I want and desire to love and care for other people. See, that's the discipline of fellowship. So we're going to use that word a lot, fellowship. What does it mean? Let me define it for you this way. Fellowship is, is biblically, I think I understand it this way. We have a common belief, a common belief and a common purpose. And because of those two things, we can stack hands and go, because we believe this, this is what we are called to do. And now we're going to move. And that's where Paul's going to take us today. So before we get into Philippians chapter one, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive into our time in the word. So let me pray for us. God, thank you so much. Thanks for this time. Thanks for the chance that we just got done worshiping you, God, to lay things down at your feet, to maybe even surrender things that we have held on to far too tightly, to lay them at your feet, submit those to you, and to begin to let you do in us what only you can do. And so, God, that will continue to be my prayer. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray for myself that your Holy Spirit would be at work through your word, through the community in this place. But God, as I prayed earlier, as I will pray often, I pray that not one of your kids in this room leaves here the same way they came in. God, in some way, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, let us look a little bit more like your son Jesus as we leave this place. And God, continue to shape us and to mold us and to form us until the day you come back for us or you call us home. God, let us strive to look more like you each and every day. God, start with me and start with this time now. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at this whole idea of, uh, of fellowship. And really, you don't even have to go to Philippians 1. If you could go to page 2 of your Bible and realize the whole main point of, of, of today is that God's created us to be in relationship. He's created us to be in fellowship, if, if you go to page two, God's creating everything. He's speaking stuff into being. He's making this. He's making this. And man, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then he creates mankind in his image. And for the first time, what do we get? It's not good. It's not good what? It's not good for man to be alone. Part of the image of God that we bear, God said he made us in his image. Part of the image of God that we bear is that he created us to be in relationship The same way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship in this thing called the Trinity, that is what God has instilled in mankind to be in relationship with each other. And so there is a a God-given, beautiful desire in us to be in fellowship. And if we learn anything from those dark days of COVID, it's that we were never meant or created to spend life in isolation. We were meant to be with each other. Now it's just a matter of who are you going to surround yourself with. Christian fellowship, again, united around a common cause and united around a common belief. And that's where Paul's going to go today in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Just to set it up, if you've never read through the book 
of Philippians, Paul is writing to a church called Philippi, and Paul's in prison. He's been locked up because he's preaching Jesus. And uh, Philippians is one of the few books Paul ever wrote that he is just excited for the church. Almost every other book Paul wrote, he's got some sort of, you guys are idiots, fix this. Not Philippians. Full of joy. If you've ever been to a Christian bookstore, if you've ever walked through Hobby Lobby, half of the book of Philippians is on signs and coffee mugs all over the world, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He who began the good work in me will be faithfully completed. All of these are found in the book of Philippians. And so Paul is going to write to this church, and he picks it up here in verse 27, and he's going he's to make an interesting statement that should cause our minds to wake up a little bit when he says this. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Man, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That should wake us up and go, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? So Paul says, whether I can come see you or I'm absent. Look, he's saying, I don't know if I'm getting out of this prison, but if I, if I do, if I hear anything, well, I want to hear this, that I may hear of you standing firm in one spirit and one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, right out of the gate, Paul says, look, you want to know what it looks to live a life worthy of the gospel, Christians, that you would strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. What is the one thing that unites all of us together as sons and daughters of God? It's not politics. It's not our favorite NFL team. It's not, we can't, I guarantee you, if I were to ask all of you right now, we couldn't even agree on a restaurant to go to lunch to after this. But you know what we can or should all agree around? that you and I and every person that's ever breathed air on this planet is sinful. We are sinners destined to go to hell for all eternity until the God of the universe looked down and said, I love you too much to let that happen. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die a horrific death in my place, pay the price for my sins so that I could find myself at 13 years old on my knees going, God, I'm messed up. I'm not perfect. I need you to forgive me. I believe your son was who he said he was. I believe he died in my place. And in that moment, instantly I'm forgiven. The grace of God covers me. And not only do I get to be restored in relationship with my heavenly father now, but I have eternity to look forward to. Not because of anything I do, but because of everything Jesus did. You see, that's what unites all of us together. All of us that have that understanding that we are sinners in need of a savior. That is the gospel message. And so if that's what unites us in what we believe, we are united in what we are then to do. Paul says, look, strive by side, side by side for the faith of the gospel. As you embrace all that you have in Christ, the charge for all of us collectively together is that we should then go out and be what Paul would say in 2 Corinthians, right? Be ambassadors for Christ. That anyone God puts in our path, we would look as an opportunity to go, man, can I tell you how much I love Jesus and how much he loves you? And begin to spread this gospel truth, see the world differently. Paul's gonna tell us that in just a second. What does it look to live, live a life worthy of the gospel? Stack hands in who we are in Christ and then go out and live life with purpose. It says this in verse 28. As you go out striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, don't be frightened in anything by your opponents. Why? Because this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that comes from God. 
For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, praise God for that, but we should also suffer for his sake. That one doesn't make a Hobby Lobby sign very often. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What's Paul's promise here? Hey, look, you guys want to unite together for the sake of the gospel? You want to go out and and do what God's called you to do? You're going to meet opposition. You're going to meet opponents. You're going to meet people that don't necessarily want to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. And you're going to suffer. Same way Paul suffered, same way Christ suffered. That's what we are promised. We are not promised rainbows and unicorns. Until God comes back for us, perfection awaits. Suffering now. But we don't suffer alone. We don't suffer alone. But here's the other beautiful thing. Paul says, look, when those opponents come at you, and some of you guys are in the midst of this right now. I just met with a guy. Just talked to him in between services. Getting ready to take on a job where he realizes he's going to be in the minority from from just what he believes in, in, in where he stands in his faith. He's going to meet opposition. He's going to meet opponents. But we can look at him one of two ways. We can look at those that oppose what we believe, what we believe the word of God teaches, and we can put our fists up and just like, you know, Javi Baez throw a right punch and knock Tim Anderson out. We can get into a fight. We can do that. Or we can make our stand for where we, what we believe, and instead of getting aggressive towards the world, we can do what Paul says. Look, can we see those opponents, those that come at us, those that are aggressive towards us, it is a clear sign to them and to us of their destruction, but of our salvation. And so maybe instead of fighting, we might go, ah, man, my heart breaks with sympathy, with empathy, with compassion for you because you don't have the same hope I have. You don't know the truth. You're blinded by this world. And so instead of getting aggressive and angry when they attack us, maybe we could find compassion in our hearts to go, all right, God, you put them in my life. What does it look like for me to love them? Maybe that's what Paul's getting at. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunity in that. But you're gonna suffer. Don't get discouraged because we're not in this alone. It's gonna go on to chapter two, verse one. Before we even get there, here's what I wanna do. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're in this room and you would say, no, I'm a child of God. I've put my faith in Jesus. I believe the gospel message in all of it. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to dream for the next 30 seconds. What does it mean to you to be a son or daughter of God. When you think of all that you have in Christ, when you think of everything that you have in this life, all that Christ has brought into your life here and now, and when you even begin to dream about all that awaits on the other side of heaven when we spend eternity with him, what begins to well up in you? What begins to get a, a stir in your soul where you go, man, I'm... And if there's nothing there, if this is nothing but, it's, yeah, I know it, but there's no, man, then Satan has won a great battle in your life. Because the day the gospel becomes, eh, what else you got? We have missed it. But just dream for a second. When you think about all that you have in Christ, what stirs in you? Paul's gonna go on this list. Look what he says in chapter two, verse one. As you dream, he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, you got any encouragement being a son or daughter of God? Have you ever been comforted by his love? You have any participation in the spirit, both positive and negative? Have you ever been convicted? Have you, ever, have you looked at your life in the last 10 years and gone, man, I'm a different person now than I was before I knew Jesus? And before you want to take all the credit for that, spend some time in the word and realize that's the Holy Spirit refining you, doing work 
in you. If there's been anything that you have overcome in your life through the power of God, that's the Spirit at work. Any encouragement, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, if any of these things are true, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the, here it is again, same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, unity, be united around what you believe, and that is the gospel. That's what we can unite around, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say this in verse three and verse four, and this is where the discipline of fellowship comes in and the challenge for us today. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Uh Uh-oh. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It means to lay yourself down, to stop looking to get whatever you can. I was met with a guy earlier, not too long ago. And he's in the weeds, going through some hard stuff, but he's getting some, some help, which I'm, I'm thrilled. A lot of courage in getting help. But one of the voices that's providing him some really good encouragement, Satan has twisted a little bit because the, 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 the counsel is this. You, gotta, you can't just keep pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. Like at some point, you've got to draw some boundaries and figure out what is good for you. What, what builds life into you? Take care of yourself. All of that is, I would affirm, that is true. But Satan twists it. He's twisted it into my friend to where now it comes out in things like, I'll only be happy if, and I'm entitled to, and I deserve this. See, all of that reeks of selfish ambition. It's what I want. It's what makes me happy. And all of a sudden, I will love if I get. We make this weird economic exchange, and it becomes completely distorted. It's not what Christian fellowship looks like. Christian fellowship is not walking in and going, I will love anyone that chooses to love me. That's selfish ambition, vain conceit. Christian fellowship, the discipline of fellowship is walking in and saying, you know what? I'm not here for me. I'm here for everybody else. And when everyone has that mindset, like a bunch of ants coming to the rescue, everyone does their part. Everyone lays aside their own wants and desires and they do what's greater for the whole and all of a sudden we can accomplish great things together. That's what you begin to see. Takes humility. Takes humility. And it takes laying down what you want to serve others. So I'll just give you some examples here at the church. We hear, we hear them all the time. And they're great. Be discerning. Be discerning. And you go where the Spirit teaches you. And where you feel like where the Spirit is at work and you are growing in your faith. But sometimes we hear things like, oh, I wish you did more songs that I liked. I like this pastor the best. He's, the, he's my favorite. I wish, I wish you went back to the, the glazed donuts instead of these powdered cinnamon sugar ones you got. The old coffee you used to brew was better. I liked that one better. Now, these are all viable things. Please tell us. We want to learn and grow together. But the day we roll into campus and go, all right, how's this place going to feed me and entertain me and meet my needs? Instead of rolling in, pulling in the parking lot and going, God, here I am, a part of your church, a part of your family. Who are you going to put in my path that I can love and care for today? And how can I look to meet the needs of others instead of my own? Until we have that posture, we're just playing church. A lot of people play in church. And you can keep playing if you want to play. All I'm saying is I think God's called us to something better. He's called us to something better. 
He's called his kids to live a life where we would go, I will put aside my selfish ambition and my conceits and I will look to meet the needs of others. Now, let me, let me take you back to verse four because there is a very clear thing I want to point out here. You read in your version, here's what mine says. Let each of you, that's all of us, look not only to his own interests. You know what that is? That means you can absolutely look out for your interests. God's saying, look, I get it. Look out for your interests. But don't stop there. Because then he goes on to say, but also to the interests of others. There's no shame in going, man, you know what? I I mean, I, I just... Again, I keep coming back to this. I'm sorry. I talked to somebody in between services. I had a great conversation. They're being absolutely fed and blessed by another church. That is beautiful. What are you doing here? Go back there. Go where you're going to be fed. And for them, that's what they need to do. But be discerning. Don't go around and just pick and choose. Look to get plugged in somewhere. Look to get invested somewhere. Look to find a place where you'd say, this is my home. And I'm going to wade through things that are hard at times for the sake of the betterment of being a part of something else, belonging to something else. That's Paul's charge, right? That's the discipline of fellowship. That we'd roll up our sleeves together and go, this Highlands Church is my home. This is my church family. And so now for this next season, I'm going to do what might be hard for me, what might be scary, but I'm going to take whatever step is next for me to become a part of this. To be known, to be known by others. We have created, not only we, we church in America have created a a weird dynamic where for the last 21 minutes, you guys have sat there patiently listening to one guy talk at you. And then in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And then as our typical fashion, sometimes we will sing, but then we will all sit and we stand up and we leave. And you've been talked at a lot, but there's been no dialogue back. That's, that's, this is a very small percentage of what church should be. True Christian fellowship is when you get into a group and you're surrounded by other people and you get to look somebody in the eye and go, Jeffrey, how you doing? Man, I love you. What's God been up to in your life? How can I be praying for you? What's something just incredible that you want to praise God for this week? And all of a sudden, we get to have a dialogue together. And Jeffrey knows what's going on in my life and I know what's going on in his life. And when we we leave that meeting, I'm praying for him and he's praying for me in a very unique, powerful way. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm not alone in this world because when life hits the fan and it will hit the fan for all of us, when it does, you're either gonna be a scorpion all alone or you can be in in a thing called the fellowship, the body of Christ, and realize that you are never alone and you got brothers and sisters around you to pick you up, to celebrate with you, to mourn with you, to care for you, to look you in the eye and go, man, I'm with you. Let's do this together. I mean, that's what the body of Christ is about. But it takes discipline. It takes you making the choice, choosing to do it. It is very easy to come, sit, listen, and leave. And you can do that for a long time. And even convince yourself that you're a part of something. But if we don't know each other and other people don't know us, man, we are missing out. Let me just let you in on this. Chances are good. You are sitting within one to two seats of the same seat you sat in last week and will probably sit in for the next 50 years of your life, right? I mean, that's just the way we operate. 
And if you ever wake up early and show up at nine, guess what? Someone's sitting in your seat because that's their seat at nine o'clock. But here's what that should tell you. Look, you're sitting by the same people. Every week within two or three, two or three feet of you are going to be similar brothers and sisters in Christ. What would it look like just to begin to get to know each other in this room? To remember names, to pray for each other, to engage in conversation. Now, I'm an introvert. That is terrifying. Wait, what? I don't want to talk to people. I kind of just want to get out of here. That's meeting my own interests. That's my own selfish ambition. Maybe as an introvert, what I need to do is say, you know what, God? For this moment, right now, I need to meet the needs of others. I just need to find out what's going on. So here's what's going to happen. In just a second, I'm going to pray. We're going to get done significantly early, intentionally, to give us as a family a chance to do this together. If you have kids, they still got 10 minutes of program before they start climbing the walls, so don't go get them. We're going to be a family in here, and we're going to be a family out there. I think that's what God's called us to do. So here's the question. Last thing, and then I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll, I'll give you what we're going to do next. Are you a part? Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you're known and others know you? When life hits the fan, you got people to call. Not people in the world, but people inside the family of God. People with a like, similar belief. Stacked hands around the fact that you and they need Jesus, and that is what unites us together. And you're fighting together for a common cause, advancing the gospel, preaching the gospel message. If you wrestle with that, if you think about, man, who are those people for me, then today is the day for you to take those fateful steps and say, you know what? I'm ready to start. I'm ready to get engaged in something like this. I'm ready to be known. Let me pray for us, then I'll tell you what we're gonna do next. God, thank you. God, I will, I will keep thanking you uh, for the three men in my life that have been this and continue to be this. God, brothers in Christ who encourage me, who challenge me. God, I thank you for the, the two of them that look me in the eye, say really hard things to me when I need to hear them, to humble me, keep me in check. God, I thank you for what they have meant to me. I thank you what they continue to be for me. God, I know there are so many here in this room that would, that would echo that same praise and thanksgiving for those you've put in their life. But God, there are also some of us, God, we are, if we're honest, we're isolated, whether by choice or by circumstance. And so God, I pray today, even, even as we go into this next exercise, God, I pray you would create divine appointments. I pray you would, you, you in your absolute sovereignty, God, would knit people together in a very powerful way. God, for those that need to take courageous steps, God, give them the courage to do so. For those that need to see this as their opportunity to experience what you created us to experience, God, let them do that as well. God, I will thank you for whatever you choose to do and however you choose to do it. So I love you. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You've already accomplished step one, which is not standing up and spontaneously singing, because that's what you normally do after a message. We're not doing that today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend time getting to know each other in here. I got, I got two, two charges for you. If you're here today, and this is your church home, and you're not involved in a, in a group, if you don't have a community, 
If you're not involved in one of our classes, you're not involved in one of our small groups, our men's groups, women's groups, if you're a student here and you're not connected in our student ministry group, then here's what I want you to do. Before you leave today, I want you to let us know. Hey, I wanna try. This is the year I wanna try. I'm gonna take that step. We will do everything we can to connect you. We've got over 50 groups there, there are, and they're all over the map and they're all over the city. They're all covering different things. We have something for you. But just take that step, let us know. You can scan the QR code. You can sign up at the lobby. You can fill out a card. You can just come find me if you want to go. I'm in and we'll figure it out. Now, here's, here's what I would ask of you. If you're going to join a group this year, I need, I need one thing from you. If you show up for your group, and if you're anything like me, if you show up for your group for the very first time and within 30 seconds you realize this group is weird and not for me, <laughs> tell me that. Just call me up and go, Kevin, went to that group, weird, not for me. That's great. For you, it's weird, not for you. For somebody else, it's perfect. Let me know, we'll find another group for you. Now, if you try all 50 groups and they're all weird, <laughs> we're gonna find out what's wrong with you. But until that point, like we're gonna see. We got a spot for you to land. Because what we want more than anything is for you to be in a community where you go, man, this is it. These are my people. These are the ones that I can know and they can know me and we're in this together. Like that's what we want. But it takes a step. Now there are others of you here that you would go, I don't really need that. I got my friends. I'm good. Maybe that's true. Let me spin it to you this way. You got brothers and sisters in Christ sitting in here right now that need you. What you bring to the table is what they need. You may, not, you may think you're not gonna get anything from them, and that may be, very well be the case. But as pastors, we see this all the time. We will meet with somebody, we will hear their story, and we will go, man, you know what? Would you be willing to meet with so-and-so? Because the journey you are on, you're like three years ahead of where they are at, and you have so much wisdom and so much experience and so much hope that you could provide them if you could just connect. What's in it for me? Opportunity to look out for the interests of another, to lift them up, to not go bury yourself in the anthill, but to go, what do I need to do to be better, benefit everybody here? And so if you're not connected, maybe today's the day God wants you to get connected. Find a place. Connect with us out there in the groups. Now, for the rest of you, if you're in a group, and I'm looking around, I see some of you have been in groups for a long time. I got Jim Williams over here. Guy started small groups back with the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he's been in groups forever. <laughs> You know what Jim doesn't need? Jim does not need to come back there and sign up for a small group. He's got one. He's got a great group. You know what Jim needs? It's what we all need. If you're in a group already, here's what I want you to do. Get connected in here. Get to know some people in here. Be a family in here. And be a family in here every opportunity you get. We gather and worship every week with the same people. What does it look like to get to know each other, to love each other, to care for each other, to look each other in the eye and go, man... Again, I'll pick on Jeffrey. Don't sit in the front row. You get picked on. Jeffrey, how was your week? I've been praying for you all week because we just talked this week. And next week when I see him, hey, how'd it go? To follow up with each other. So here's what I'm going to ask. In just a second, we're going to be done. You got about 10 or 12 minutes in here. Ask three questions. Find somebody around you. How long have you been coming to Highlands? That's it. How long have you been coming to Highlands? Engage. Question two. Question two. What'd you do this summer? This summer, what would you do? It's fresh in everybody's mind. Maybe a dialogue happens. Question three, that's the mystery question. It can be whatever you want. My typical one is, how, how good or bad are the Cardinals gonna be this year? Give me your take. <laughs> What's wrong with the Diamondbacks? 
I'm gonna engage some sort of sports thing. Music's your thing, movie's your thing, whatever your thing is, just ask a question around it. Hey, we're thinking about going to eat. What's the best restaurant inside of 20 miles of here? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Engage in conversation. See if we don't become a little tighter knit family at the end. Now, for all of you introverts like me, this is terrifying and all you wanna do is cut and run. I'm not gonna pray so there's no time to sneak out. <laughs> if that's not you, I get it. I love you enough and we'll love you enough. Just give us the signal and, and you're free to go. <laughs> but let me challenge you in this. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to step out of your comfort zone and go, this is terrifying for me, but maybe God wants you to interact with somebody and that divine appointment's gonna happen and you taking that step of courage and laying your interests and desires aside for the interests of another becomes a beautiful God moment. I don't know. I don't wanna, I don't wanna overhype it, but maybe it does. So that's what we're gonna do. If you're not in a group, think about signing up. Reach out to us. If you are in a group, be a family in here. Service is never over till you love somebody. So we're gonna take the next 10 minutes and love each other in here really well. Because if we have any chance of loving people and we can't love each other inside the church, we're gonna be hard pressed to love a hurting world out there. Let's get really good at loving each other and building each other up in here, okay? So ready? Got it? Get after it. We'll see you guys next weekend.